and the way it was running just did not look like any human. Immediately, it felt like someone was watching. Something was watching. We seen some eyes which were glowing a bright red. Welcome everyone. You're listening to this Sasquatch show brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. Sit back and enjoy. So my encounter with with Saskets in our language that's how we that's how we say that uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot it's it's a story from my childhood. I I lived at the base of a mountain. Um, the mountain was my playground. It's it's not a very tall mountain, and we lived at the foot of it. My mom, my brother, and myself. And every single day that I could, I was I was up in that mountain, running and running and running and playing. And I literally knew every single path and and every tree and I had a friend that lived just on the other side of the mountain and and we would always pick a place to meet whether it was at this boulder or at this rock face or at the big the big cedar or the big fir tree or the big maple tree but we always had a place to meet and we were pretty good friends you know for for young bucks running around playing and one day we're up on this up on the mountain behind our houses and there is a there's a cliff you can see the cliff from the road when you drive by and it was always a dare for us that's what i remember it was a dare for us to go and see how close we can get to the edge of the cliff and uh, one day i got a little bit too close to the edge and I lost my footing and and I fell. And as I was going down the starting my descent, you know, it was probably about I don't know 80 90 feet high. Uh there was a some kind of a a bush. I remember it was a real woody bush, almost like a like a berry bush. And I grabbed that bush and um it held me. You know, I don't know what I weighed, probably 70 pounds at the time. But the bush was holding me and my friend was just losing his mind. He was so scared for me and he was screaming for help. And neither one of us knew what to do. Uh, We didn't have a rope with us or anything. And I'm hanging on to this branch and I'm looking down and and the calmness that came over me was so strange. I, I remember the feeling of calm as I was looking down and and just coming to the terms with the fact that I was going to lose my grip and I was just going to fall and that was going to be that, you know, there wasn't going to be any more little Billy. My friend, he yelled, he says, I'm going to go get a stick. And he left. And I remember being there by myself and my, my grip, it was my left hand. I was so, my grip was getting so tired and my arm was getting stretched out and my heart was starting to race at that point in time. I guess reality was setting in and, and I was just about ready just to let go. And all of a sudden I felt 
somebody grabbed the back of my shirt from the back of my neck and it picked me up and it flung me. And I went back in the bush, probably 15, 20 feet. There's like at the cliff, there's a little, a little bit of a clearing, maybe like a, a five or six foot plateau. And then um, back behind that there's cedar trees. And I remember being at the base of the cedar tree and I'm laying there wondering what the hell just happened. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> wondering what the heck just happened. And all of a sudden I seen my friend run up in front of me and he's looking down the cliff screaming my name and he's got an old cedar branch from the bottom of a tree. They curl. And, you know, he wanted to lower this branch to me screaming my name. And, and I was so stunned by what happened. I, it took me a little bit to get the words to come out of my mouth. And I said, Hey, I'm right here. And he, he turned around and he looks at me and his eyes were like saucers. And he said, how did you get there? And I said, I don't know. And he come, he come walking over to me and the back of my shirt was all stretched out. And I've told this story to my, to my granny. I told this story to, to my family and I remember just a, an instance in time where I can smell it where I could just uh, such a different smell this creature had such a different smell but it wasn't real um, it wasn't a stench like how a lot of people say when they encounter Sasquatch that he's real smelly um, it smelled wild but it wasn't real it wasn't real stink it was uh it was just a just a smell and when i explain that to my elders they all agree the same thing that that saskets reached down and grabbed me from that cliff and and saved my life and i always wondered what that um what that bush was that i was hanging on to you know it's it kind of looked like uh had the same color as like a Saskatoon bush up in uh, Lytton or, or somewhere up in that area. I always wondered what that plant was and was always, you know, confused until it was confirmed that, you know, I was, I was saved. My granny tells me um, she's turning 92, just a couple of days. She said that the Saskets and Spath are our family's protectors so that 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 Saskets is probably looking after me the whole time I was up there running around bear country and cougar country and I was never ever bothered by by either one of them and that's my uh that's my first and probably most prominent experience with with uh, Saskets and it was a long time before I seen another one um, did did you know? Did you have an idea of what exactly happened afterwards? I mean, I know you said that you, it took a few minutes for you to kind of come to, so to speak. But did you realize, you know, maybe on the walk home, what what happened and, and what you suspected it was? Yeah, I, I definitely um, went down the mountain with a haunted feeling that day, and um, my grandpa talked to me about Saskets a long time ago. We my family has quite a bit of history with with the uh, that um that creature 
quite a bit of history and, and he gave me some warnings when I was a little boy, you know, and, and talked about Saskets like it's very much real, you know, a part of our, a part of our everyday life, whether we see, see one or not. Um, I hear that a lot, especially from the area that you, you're, you're talking about. Um, it's quite common from what I understand is that, you know, these creatures are, are just there and it's not really, and, and I don't mean to use this term as a disrespectful way, but like, it's not that big of a deal that they're out in the woods. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's not. And it's, uh, I think the only people that really get frightened by them or spooked by them are the ones that sort of grow up without learning about them, you know, and, and it's still a little, you know, you err on the side of caution whenever you, if you cross cross paths with them, right? They're so much, so much bigger than us. I was told some of them are are quite short too, though. You know, and they're not the, they're not the ones that we always see the pictures of. Some of them are are shorter people. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier that you, your your grandfather said that uh, your your family has a history with these creatures. Is it possible for you to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, there's the one documented story. It's it's on it's on the internet. There's uh, a couple of YouTube videos. Um, my uh, great granduncle George Chapman and his wife uh, Jeannie Chapman. Their story was ran in the in the local newspaper here. And uh, anytime you're in a gift shop and they have the carousel with the books, and there's a Sasquatch book. Uh, my my family's. Uh, that one story is usually in there. Which story is that? Uh, that's the one where uh, the the daughter was playing out in the field and she screamed and then uh, the mom came out to see what was going on and she thought it was a bear and then it stood up and she seen it was a man or a man-shaped being with the, with the, uh, the light brown hair. <coughs> and... The Saskets was after something, but I'm not allowed to say what it was. It's sort of our something we keep between our just between us or oh, yeah. in our family. But but he was after something, and uh, the family wasn't ready to to part with that. And um, so the Saskets started to get real angry and um, started wrecking the uh, the salt salmon barrels. They had a couple of oak barrels where they would put their salt fish in for the winter. And he wrecked that on them, and and they actually ended up moving. They they did a big land transfer. They moved to a different part of our reserve, and uh, they lived out their days there. They wouldn't go back to that that one area there. And after they moved, um, they were never they weren't bothered after that. It just left them alone. I guess it came to terms with the fact that uh, nobody was going to part with anything. Do you think that you were being watched when you were a child, like as you and your friend were playing? Yeah, I do. I, I, I have always had this notion that when I'm, when I'm out there and, and even today, if I, if I'm out there on a sabbatical or hunting or whatever reason brings me out there, I always, I always have a sense that one of the two of them is always with me, if not both. And for the listeners though, for this area that that Bill is talking about, it, it's quite well known in the British Columbia, in British Columbia at least, as being uh, "quote unquote" a hot spot. Now, Bill, what, what do you think that certain area of British Columbia garners so much attention when it comes to 
comes to these creatures? Well, I don't know. It could just be it could just be proximity. You know, we're we're closer to the bigger urban centers than everywhere else, and you know, locals start talking and telling stories, and you know, it just kind of kind of gets around. Um, you know, the the talk about Saskatch or Sasquatch or Bigfoot, because I I know people from many different nations, and they all have their stories. Every single one of them have the stories and and it's you know and it's not just this geographic region or this climate where the where there's stories about bigfoot about sasquatch they're they're everywhere and and i think it's just proximity you know we're closer to the urban centers and there's more mouths and more ears (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's for sure yeah how did this how did this change your life did it did it change your life in any way or or was it you know, something that you just kind of live with now. Well, I don't know. That's a that's a difficult question. I've uh, I've on, undergone some some ceremonies that we perform here, and and oddly enough, uh, the plants became very important to me. So I I do see a correlation and some relevance with that bush that was sticking out of the the face of the cliff. Um. Yeah, you owe, just, you, uh, you owe that bush a favor at least. <laughs> I think I do, you know, and 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 to this day, um, you know, I've 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 hiked up some uh, some cliffs in the area um, out on the coast, and I can't get near the cliff's edge. I just can't do it. It just uh, it hits me right in the core. I'm down on my belly, and and. Uh, yeah, I thought, what is wrong with me? You know, like I just want to look over the edge, but I couldn't do it. And that I'm 99% sure it has to do with going over that cliff there. You know, it was a, uh, it was definitely life changing. And from uh, you know, we're we're not unlike other nations. We're we're spiritual in our ways, and and there's that that connection, you know, with that whole event. You know that that day itself. Um, yeah, I th- you know now that I think about it, I think it really does um, have quite a bit of meaning, and that it it it's had some impact on my life, for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask. My next question was going to be: um, Would you consider yourself to be fortunate or unfortunate that this event happened with you? But I think I and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I gather, you know, you, you consider this to be a good thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, considering the alternative, you know, I don't, I don't know if my friend would have got there in time. Maybe he would have, um, you know, and, and, and now many years later, you know, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather and, um, you know, I surround myself with the people that I love and, and just grateful that I get to experience this, this, uh, thing called life and, you know, try to understand it the best I can. And, you know, Saskets is a, is a permanent part of my life. I'm, I'm not an advocate. I don't try to make anybody believe or, or try to sway any opinions. I always, if I share my story, you know, it's not, it's not to convince anybody, you know, I went through what I went through and somebody could say I'm crazy and somebody can say, yeah, I, I know what i I know what happened to you. You know, I've had a similar experience and, um, you know, it's, it's just 
my life. I seen it with my own eyes. I, if I had kept the shirt, it would still be stretched out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that there was another encounter. Is that uh, something you'd want to talk about or? Yeah. Um, well with my, uh, has, it's a story about my grandpa and about my great grandparents. Um, my great grandparents apparently met in the hop yards, uh, down this, down this way on the coast. And that's where a lot of people met from different nations. There's hop yards and berry fields that, you know, our people would work on and, uh, they fell in love and, and she was with child and he wanted to go back home to, uh, to go to work so that he can have the money to marry her and, and to raise his son that he was expecting. But unfortunately he got, uh, he got killed on the job and the news came down to my great grandmother who, um, she ended up giving birth and, uh, just such a heavy heart and a sad heart. And she ran into, into Saskatoon. And she looked him right in the eyes and something happened for some reason. The, um, now the, I'm going to double back here. When I was a little boy, my grandpa told me, never look in their eyes or their mouth. You look at their, their chest or their stomach, you know, respectfully. And um, I was actually going to ask about that. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my great grandma apparently looked in, looked into the eyes of Saskets and it consumed her, consumed her, her life force. We call it Shkweli, um, her spirit. And it was four days later and she fell over and collapsed. And that was the, that was it for her. Um, that orphaned my grandpa and, and fortunately the, the, the brothers in the family, um, George, who happened to be the one um, from the George and Jenny story and um, old Charles Chapman Sr. and, and uh, my granddad Maggie, they, they uh, took my grandpa under their wing and adopted him. So uh, there's, there's that story with my, my great grandma. And, and that's why my grandpa told me never to look in, into the eyes or into the mouth. Yeah, so it's, it's fair to say that this creature has uh, has had quite an impact on you. Oh yeah, yeah. And the last time I seen last time I seen one uh, was probably three years ago. My wife and I were were driving along, driving down the highway, and you can see the bank of the river, and and there was this massive black thing, um, stooped over, uh, right where my granduncle used to set his net. And I said, holy cow, look at that. And I slowed right down. And she says, what, is that a bear? And I said, that's not a bear. And you can just tell it was, uh, I think they call it hominoid. You know, it, it has like the legs and the arms. And and uh, it had white on the back. And the hair had probably been about 12, 14 inches long on the back. It looked like a bull moose, the same color as, as a big Alaskan bull moose. But it wasn't a moose, it wasn't a bear. And, and then it, she realized what it was. And, you know, maybe my fear of them uh, is gone, but she was very afraid. And I was teasing her. I said, 
you want to go down to the river now? <laughs> she says, no, <laughs> almost hitting me. Like we got a dinner date to go to. We're not going to go mess around with this guy. <laughs> so they're in spite of all the, the urban development and expansion, they're still with us. You know, they're, um, they're still here. They're still very much a part of our, our community and we do what we can to honor them. And, uh, you know, to show them the same respect we'd show anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you've had, you know, quite the, these creatures, these saskets, I hope I'm saying that right, um, have had, you know, they're, they're a part of your life now. Like, and not many people can say that. Yeah, yeah, they they are. And, um, you know, there's there's other people that have had closer encounters with them. And, um, you know, they, they tell their stories, too. You know, pre-COVID, when we were all able to sit around a fire and, and just talk and, you know, see where the conversations go. I've, I've heard some I've heard some pretty uh, amazing stories, you know, the encounters other people in the in the area have had with yeah. Saskets and, and how it's impacted them. And nine times out of ten, it's helped them. You know, it's always been it's always been beneficial yeah, yeah, you you know what, and and just to get off track a little bit, you know, I've talked to quite a few people from your area, and I have yet to hear one frightening or terrifying encounter from from that specific area that you're 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 at. It, it just mm-hmm. it, it I, I can't do like I just can't find it. And like people have nothing bad to say about these creatures, and you know it's slowly becoming. I'm figuring out that you know for the most part, experiences with these with these creatures aren't scary <laughs> it's only scary to people because you know technically they're not supposed to exist and i use that term very loosely because you know they are out there yeah well there's the there's the um one legend that that we're told as kids is when um saskets came and took a took a wife and brought her back to to their place where they live and it took her a little while to get used to them but um, she got used to living there, but she ended up getting lonely for home. And the Saskets told her, she said, I can take you back, but if I do that, you can never return. She said, well, I really miss my family. And, and she came back and she came back with the people. And and she quickly concluded that it's humans that stink. And it's humans that are mean and cruel and, and all of these things that most people fantasize about Saskets. In her account, they were the most kind and loving and, and patient and humble and, and all all the virtuous things that we aspire to be and, and some of us struggle to be. That's what they were in her story. You know, so it 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 sort of put things in perspective, you know, whenever we're we're tempted to do the wrong thing, you know, it's there's always a story that we can link back to on on being good people you know being as good as they are being as kind as they are yeah you know what i i agree with you 100 percent. i i don't think the monsters are out in the forest <laughs> i think the monsters are driving cars and trucks and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's just we're the only species that are known to you know destroy the only home we have and <laughs> you know it, yeah it just, that, for some reason you know and, and these creatures are, are are, are, are classified as monsters and, and it's just that's just so wrong mm. you know when i started this podcast one of the thing i wanted to do was kind of normalize the, the talk about 
Sasquatch and what they are and what they represent. And none of it's been bad. None of it. So mm. it's just, you know, there's a stereotype and it's, uh, it's too bad, you know, cause it's not true. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard a couple of stories where guys are getting, uh, rocks and branches and stuff chucked at them, but they were in a place where they weren't supposed to be already. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was kind of a, it, it was a no, no for them to be there for, for some cultural or spiritual reason. You know, you leave that area alone and here they are wandering around yeah, thinking yeah. they can bend the rules and they were quickly reminded they got out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, had that very same thing happened to me. So <laughs> yeah, I was somewhere mm-hmm. where I wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bill, I want to say thank you for taking the time today. I, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, it's, uh, it, it's not every day that, uh, you know, somebody's interested in your story and it, it's, it's it, considering the times that we're living in right now, this is, uh, this is a huge social interaction for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me and make sure and send me a link. Uh, my wife's real curious about, about what I'm doing right now. I told her that uh, I told her what I'm up to, but yeah. <laughs> well, for sure. I will for sure. Okay. Okay. And for the listener, just hang in there. We're going to be right back. Stay there. And welcome back, everyone. And thank you guys all for listening and hanging around today. Uh, We're just about to pull a pin on this episode. I'm I'm hoping you guys enjoyed that. I really did. I, I really enjoyed talking to Bill today. Um, so I want to say thank you again to Bill for coming on today's show, you know, and taking the time. He'd never been on a podcast or really even listened to a podcast before. So, you know what? I'm really, really honored that you came on mine and, and talked about your uh, encounters. I really enjoyed it. I really did. You know, he was talking earlier about a story that involved his relatives from, from many years ago, um, 1941, I believe. Uh, I'm going to read something here in a second that has a date on it. So bear with me here. Um and what happened is I should have put two and two together. Like while he was talking, um, something was clicking in my head that I really wasn't, I, I wasn't able to piece together at the time. And so he was talking about the incident that happened many, many years ago. And after we, we finished recording, I, uh, I did some research, you know, I just did the old Google and, and looked up some things and I'm like, holy smokes, his great uncle. And I believe it was your great uncle. Forgive me if I'm wrong, Bill, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, his great uncle and his great aunt were the, the people involved in the uh, Ruby Creek incident. For those of you who don't know what the Ruby Creek is, uh, I found this little write-up on, on a website I, after I Googled it. Now, it's not mine. Uh, I actually found it on um, SasquatchCanada.com. And I don't even know if this is theirs, but uh, if anyone from that website is listening, thank you guys. <laughs> but, but have a listen to this. George lived with his wife, Jeannie, and their three children in a small isolated house on the banks of the Fraser River near Ruby Creek, British Columbia. George was employed as a railroad maintenance worker at Ruby Creek, and in, in September of 1941, he was surprised to see his wife and his children running down the tracks towards him. Jeannie excitedly told her husband that a Sasquatch was after her. It all started while one of the children was playing in the front of the house. The child came running into the house shouting that a big cow was coming out of the woods. Jeannie looked out the window and saw an ape-like creature, seven and a half feet tall, covered in dark hair, approaching their house. Terrified, she grabbed her children and ran. 
George and the other men went to the house and found 16-inch footprints that led to a shed where a heavy barrel of fish had been dumped out. The prints then led across the field and into the mountains. Footprints on each side of the wire fence gave another clue as to the size of the creature. It apparently just took the fence in stride. The Chapmans returned to their home, but were continually bothered by unusual howling noises and their agitated dogs, which appeared to sense an unusual presence. The family left the house within one week and never returned. So that's kind of the, the Ruby Creek incident in a nutshell. Sorry, I'm crinkling paper. But that was kind of the Ruby Creek incident. It, I, I really I should have figured it out. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what I'd like to do? As I, I would really like to get a, do a follow-up episode on maybe, maybe the family could come on and maybe talk about, uh, you know, what happened years ago. If you guys don't want to, that's fine. I, I understand. But that, wow. You know what? That's like one of the, the most famous cases in British Columbia. So uh, I should have known. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, coming up on the next episode, let's listen to this and we'll find out what it is. On the next episode of This Sasquatch Show, brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. I guess these two gentlemen were hiking up the, the roadbed with two dogs Sasquatch got wind of that, decided to retreat downhill to get away from them. But as soon as he got out into the open, he realized there was two kids on the beach down below him and stopped. So definitely tune in for that one. That's uh, that's going to be another good one. Um, but before we go, if you guys have had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, contact me at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A. NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. This two story, this uh, two uh, stories a week thing is going really, really well. So let's keep it going. <laughs> but until next time, guys, I'm going to leave you with this, and then uh, we'll see you on the next one. Okay, bye. Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early The ship was the pride of the American side Coming back from some mill in Wisconsin As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With a crew and good captain well seasoned Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms When they left fully loaded for Cleveland Then later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound Every man knew as the captain did too 
Twas the witch of November come stealing The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait When the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain In the face of a hurricane west wind Saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you At 7 p.m. a main hatchway gave in He said, fellas, it's been good to know you The captain wired in, he had water coming in And the good ship and crew was in peril And later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Does anyone know where the love of God goes When the waves turn the minutes to hours The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay If they'd put 15 more miles behind her They might have split up or they might have capsized They may have broke deep and took water all that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters. Lake Huron Roll Superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansion. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams The islands and bays are for sportsmen And farther below Lake Ontario Takes in what Lake Erie can send her The iron boats go as the mariners all know With the gales of November remembered Chigumi. 
Superior, they said, never gives up her dead When the gales of November come early 